Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Uh, we're kicking off a brand new series today. How many of y'all excited about it? Thank you. Amen. I gave a little bit of a prequel last week to our series. If you were not here, I'd encourage you to go back and watch that message online. I think it would be helpful uh, for this series. I mentioned last week, you know, that we live in a day where there is an all-out assault on what many of us would describe as traditional values, how we define the family, the home, the institution of marriage, uh, and the Christian life really in general, right? Now, I do believe that although we know our world is confused about a lot of things, amen, I also believe our world is hungry for answers. Amen. Amen, I do. And I believe that a healthy, life-giving Spirit-filled church can help show the way. Amen. Amen. So I want to lay a foundation in this series, in this very first message. And I'm going to take a few more minutes than normal, so please relax. Amen. It's 86 degrees out there. You'll get out there. Uh, I took, I think, five extra minutes in the first service. So uh, let's be patient. It'll be good. I think it'll be worth your time. Here it is at the very core of understanding, really, and processing cultural issues, there's a very critically important question that we have to answer, and that's this. Does it matter what we believe? Does it really matter? Amen? Does it really matter what we believe? Does it matter what we think about life, about sexuality, about marriage, about God, about society? Does it matter how children are raised or, or how they're taught? Because hear me, if the answer is no, our beliefs about issues don't matter other than maybe appeasing our personal preferences. If the answer is no, then hear me, nothing I'm going to say in this series matters. Right? And, but if the answer is yes, then everything we're going to talk about matters. So with that in mind, my sermon title today is this, Beliefs Matter. Beliefs Matter. Because if it doesn't matter what we believe, then people can do whatever they want, right? Without being concerned with consequences to themselves or to others, to each his own. You live your life, I'll live mine, case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, right? But we all know that's not true. As a matter of fact, even the folks who say beliefs don't matter, they prove how disingenuous they are. Because if your beliefs don't accept theirs, come on somebody, they cut you off, they ghost you, they cancel you, right? Because actually their, their beliefs, they believe beliefs do matter, just not yours, just not mine, right? If we don't embrace what they are. See, you've got to understand though that beliefs have consequences. Ideas have consequences. Your worldview, your beliefs have consequences. Every idea, every view, every moral directive, every lifestyle choice has a consequence for good or for bad. Now, when I say worldview, I am referring to 
a particular philosophy of life or view of the world that you or others may embrace. A worldview, really, it's a collection of attitudes and values and expectations about the world around us. My worldview forms the belief that I build my life on. It's how I view everything in life. It's how I view God. It's how I view myself. It's how I view other people. It's even how I view the devil and the, and the world of, of darkness. My worldview, it includes my, my thoughts about life and death and about the past and the present and the future. Your worldview includes what you feel about pain and suffering, how to process everything in your life. Your worldview shapes what you think about relationships what you think about money, everything you think about in life is shaped by your worldview. Now, maybe you've never thought about it that way, but that's what it is. It's a worldview. The truth is, everybody has a worldview whether you realize it or not. We do. You operate off of some kind of worldview. Now, when you say, I've always thought of life as, guess what? The answer to that is shaped by your worldview. Amen. And we are shaped not only by our worldview, but also by the worldviews of others, our friends, the people we work with, our parents, the media, even celebrities, the people you listen to, school teachers, professors, counselors that you meet with, preachers and teachers that you listen to uh, in church or on the internet. They all influence your life and my life in ways that you're probably not even aware of. Now, why is knowing this so important? And again, please understand, this is a really critical foundation here because your worldview is the basis upon what you make all of your decisions and you construct your beliefs. It's how you decide what you decide. (laughs) Amen. Your worldview determines your choices. God wired your brain and my brain in such a way that every time you start to make a decision, hear me, your mind instantly accesses all of the information, all of the data, all of the paradigms, everything you've been told, everything you've processed, and you come to a place where you go, what do I believe about this? And you make a decision subconsciously on the basis of things that you believe to be true and you believe to be real, even really simple things. And let me use a real simple explanation of what I'm talking about. For example, if I flick a light switch, or if you flick a light switch, what do you expect to happen? Lights to come on, right? If I go in the bathroom and I turn the handle on the sink, what do I expect to happen? Water to come out. If I put my key in my car, I expect the engine to turn over and my car to start. And anytime somebody says that now, you know they're driving an old car because all the new cars, they push the button, right? <laughs> Amen. See, we do certain things hundreds of times a day without even thinking about it based on our worldview. Lights coming on, water coming out of the faucet, cars starting. You know why? Because that is part of my American worldview. Because hear me. Understand, all around the world, there's a lot of people, they do not think from that perspective. They don't have switches to turn on. And lights turn on. Many of them don't get their water out of a spigot. They get it out of a hole in the ground. Not only do they not own a car, they don't even own a bicycle. See, they have an entirely different worldview based on the conditions around them and what they've grown up and the expectations that they've had. Does that make sense? Their worldview and their life experiences have shaped them differently, which has caused them to have different beliefs 
about certain things. Hear me. All of your ideas, all of your experiences, all of your beliefs, all your convictions, all your hurts, all your expectations, all those things help shape your worldview. So if your worldview or your belief system shapes everything around you, hear me, and this is an important statement, it is critical as believers that we approach life from God's perspective or in other words, that we have a biblical worldview. Thank you. I need a little more help in the house. Amen. It's critical that we have a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Now, just this past week, the House finally elected a new Speaker of the House. Amen. And they elected a man by the name of Mike Johnson. He was being interviewed. And this is something he said just a few days ago, and I think it's tremendous. Uh, and he's taken a huge amount of criticism for what he said that I'm getting ready to quote to you. Are you ready? Let me quote his response to one of the questions in the interview. He said, I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today, and people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up your Bible off your shelf and read it. That's my worldview. That's what I believe. Oh, come on, I love that. By the way, elections do have consequences, amen? He said, and I love that. He said, go pick up your Bible off the shelf. That's my worldview. What a simple yet profound and powerful answer to what, how every Christian should construct their value system, their worldview, their lifestyle. Are you ready? Go pick up your Bible. Read it. That's what I believe because I am a Christian. Amen. So we got to live our lives according to God's point of view. And hear me, part of understanding God's view more clearly is we've got to also be able to see the error in some of the unbiblical worldviews around us. And that's what the purpose of this series is for the next six weeks. I'm going to be unpacking some of these unbiblical worldviews and how we as Christians are to respond to those. Now, we've been saying for the last few months in sermons in life, church, in different places, and I think God's been trying to drill this message home to us, and that is if you want to change your life, you've got to change your thinking first. Right? You've got to change what you believe, especially if it does not align with the Word of God. Are we still operating under worldly thinking or under godly thinking? Here's what I know. Look at the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. How many of you are thankful that when you become a Christian, you're a new person? But guess what? Here's something I also know. A lot of new Christians and even old Christians struggle because even though they have become new, their thinking has not. Come on. Their thinking has not. That takes time. All those old experiences, those belief systems, they got to be replaced with new experiences and new beliefs because your beliefs matter. You've got to get your worldview in line with truth. Not what you think is the truth, but what is actually true in life. Jesus loves to challenge conventional wisdom. You know, I love so much. In fact, one of the neat things that Jesus said over and over in the Bible, you read it. He said, you've heard it said, but I tell you this. <laughs> Jesus said, you know what? I know you heard it this way, but guess what? I'm going to drop some revelation on you. You've heard it said, but I say this. What was he doing? Trying to help them change their conventional wisdom, change their worldview. Now, I want to talk to you about some worldviews, and then I'm going to talk to you about how to develop a biblical worldview, all right? 
Now, while I was preparing for this message, I came across some, they were shocking statistics to me about worldviews. Dr. George Barna, who's the director of research at uh, the Cultural Research Center, he released this in 2021, and he said that based on half-hour-long personal interviews with a nationally representative sample of about 2,000 adults, so this wasn't just a handful of people, 2,000 adults, this is what they came up with, just 6% of those interviewed had what he would call a biblical worldview. That's in the United States. <clears throat> Folks, if Americans do not have a biblical worldview, what is the dominant worldview of the other 94%? Now, this is what was interesting to me. He said the answer is there wasn't one. The CRC study found out that the most common worldview was something that they best described as syncretism. Or in other words, it was a summary name given to this hodgepodge, wide-ranging collections of beliefs and behaviors that were defining people's lives. It was basically just a kind of a cut-and-paste approach to life that made sense to them. The study said this, and I quote, here's here's, uh, one of Barner's remarks. He said, rather than developing an internally consistent and philosophically coherent perspective on life, Americans embrace points of view or actions that feel comfortable or seem most convenient. Those beliefs and behaviors are often inconsistent or even contradictory, but check this out. But few Americans seem troubled by those failings. He said we have views that feel comfortable, that feel most convenient, and even if they're inconsistent or contradictory, we don't care. You know why? 6% of us hold a biblical worldview. There was another 6% that embraced some other worldviews. I'm not going into that. But the big winner was none of the above. Almost 9 out of 10 adults, no world, biblical worldview. So, now laying that all aside, I want to quickly just share with you a few of the more common worldviews that I, I feel like need to be highlighted here today that we find in our culture here in America. Now, by the way, if I was in Europe and I was preaching this message, it might be different. Or if I was in South America or Africa, it might be different. But in America, these are some common worldviews that we have. I could give you dozens. I'm going to give you about 6 or 7, I think. The first one could be described by the word more. Everybody say more. More. We've got a worldview of materialism. Everybody say materialism. Now, we're going to talk about this one in a a sermon later, but I just want to touch on it today. Materialism says that the only thing that really matters in life is the acquisition of things. If I can't afford it, that's okay. That's why I got a credit card, (laughs) right? You know, people who are materialists, they confuse values with valuables. Amen. They're not the same thing. Materialists say that if I have more, I'm worth more. Amen. In the words of Donald Trump, wrong. Amen. (laughs) That's wrong. Amen. Wrong. See, your net worth and your self-worth are not the same thing. They're not. Amen. A lot of people think, well, what does it take to be happy? Just a little bit more. That's materialism. That's material. It's a mindset that's got a hold on us in this country, that life is measured by how many things you collect. But listen to how Jesus responds to that worldview, Luke 12, 15. He said to them, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in what? In an abundance of possessions. Amen. More on that later. Here's another prominent worldview that we have in America. I like to call it meism. Everybody say meism. Now, I thought I had come up with a perfect word, that I made that word up, and then I went online and found out, no, you didn't make that up. They're already using that word. I was so disappointed. 
I thought I'd come up with this really. You know what meism means? A focus or obsession with oneself. Now, I'm going to tackle this one later, too. But if that doesn't describe our country right now, I don't know what does. A focus or obsession on self. We live in a me-first mentality world. Serve yourself, selfie-obsessed world. Says it's all about me. Matter of fact, they're starting to call this the me generation. I think that's really just a nice phrase for what I think is a culture of narcissism. Right? Toxic individualism. Amen. Individuals that say, I don't really care what it does to the children or what it does to you. I'm walking out on this marriage. I don't really care what it does to people at work. I'm not going to be responsible. Amen. I don't really care what you think about this. This is my life, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Amen. It's this self-centered, individualistic way of life that says, I can't ignore you. I can ignore my community. I'm going to do what's best for me. You know what? Again, Jesus, totally different worldview. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must what? Give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. See, folks, significance in life does not come by serving yourself. Significance in life comes by serving other people. Amen? Here's another common worldview, and this one is not unique to our culture here in America. Matter of fact, this one is prominent everywhere around the world where people are breathing. You ready? Hedonism. It's a worldview. Do whatever feels good. Live for pleasure. Have fun. Live for the thrills of life. Hedonism is simply the desire that says the most important thing in life is how I feel. If it feels good, then it must be good. If it feels bad, then it must be bad. Your feelings become the judge of everything. You're living for pleasure. But look what Proverbs 21, 17 says from the message. I love this verse. You're addicted to thrills. What an empty life. <laughs> the pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. Folks, that's gospel right there. Let me tell you, the hole that you dig to find pleasure is a hole that you never reach the bottom of and you can never dig your way out of. Amen? It, God created pleasure, but pleasure is not the goal of life. Pleasure is the benefit of living the kind of God, life that God wants you to live. Amen? Pleasure is not the goal. It's the byproduct of doing right things the right way. Here's another common worldview. It's called naturalism. Naturalism is the belief that nothing exists beyond the natural world. Uh, instead of believing in supernatural or spiritual explanations, naturalism focuses on explanations that come from the laws of nature. Naturalism can also be called atheism, right? The belief that everything in life is a result of random chance. We're all just accidents of nature. There's no grand creator. There's no grand design. There's no God. God does not exist, and therefore God doesn't matter. But let me tell you something sad about that viewpoint. Are you ready? If God doesn't exist and God doesn't matter, then you and I don't matter either. Hear me. That's the logical, rational conclusion of that worldview. If God doesn't exist and there is no higher purpose, then what's this all about? Amen? If there's no plan, if there's no purpose, if there's no design in life, then hear me. Your life doesn't matter neither does mine. Has no value beyond the here and now. Now hear me. Bertrand Russell, he was a very famous philosopher, but he was also a prominent atheist. 
one of the most commonly known atheists in the world at his time. And here's what he said. Atheist. He said, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. Atheist said it. He said, unless you assume that there's a God, the, the, life's purpose is meaningless. Man, talk about a depressing worldview. I mean, I have no proof of this. I'll bet you a lot of atheists have to get counseling. I bet they're on a lot of depressing. You know, what a depressing way to view life. Life is meaningless. Life is purposeless. Life doesn't have. But, but you know what? Mr. Russell was right. There is no purpose in life if there is no God. If we think that everything is just an accident. And that is the end result of naturalism. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Because I'll tell you right now, it takes a whole lot more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe that there was a master plan by a master creator. Amen. Come on, when you look at creation, when you see that the world is set on a specific axis, if it was one way, uh, we would all freeze. If it was another way, we would all burn up. Amen. When you look at how God designed us, Male and female, hallelujah, amen. God knew what he was doing, amen. Come on. When you look at the beauty of creation, the process of the development of a baby in the womb, the birth of a child, amen, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Oh, come on, somebody. When you look at the sunrise and the sunset, when you see the tide come in and come out, when you see the seasons, winter becomes spring and spring becomes summer and summer becomes fall and fall becomes winter and then it all starts all over again. Amen. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Hallelujah. That's a worldview. Here's another worldview, pluralism. And I want you to listen up to this one, okay? Religious pluralism is not going away and it's only going to get worse. Pluralism is the belief that those who embrace different and even conflicting religious views, we ought to celebrate each other and not contend that one view is more right than the other view. That is a lie from the devil. Amen. Folks, hear me. This one is huge right now. This is huge right now. And it's just going to rise because I believe it is part of the nefarious plan of Satan to move us away from believing that Jesus is the only way to be saved. Amen. we got to see this for what it is. Instead, pluralists suggest that truth and good can be found in every religion and we've got to get rid of the mindset of religious exclusivism. That's what they believe. Now, this all sounds like real politically correct mumbo-jumbo, but hear me. Now, have you all ever seen a bumper sticker? And if you've got one of these, please don't be offended by this. I have a scraper in my office. You can borrow it after service. You can scratch it off your car. But have you all ever seen the bumper sticker that says coexist? And for all the letters, they've got religious symbols that represent all these religions. This is this nice, warm, fuzzy, political way to say all these religions are the same and they're all going to point us to the same direction and it really doesn't matter the God that you serve. Folks, I'm telling you, that's a lie from the enemy. He's trying to take us off of there's only one gospel that will save you. Coexist. Sounds good, right? Why can't we all just get along? Amen. Now hear me. I think we should seek to live in harmony. 
with people with other religious views. I'm telling you right now, if there's, God doesn't get any glory out of you being a religious bigot. Amen? But hear me, there is a way that we are to treat other people of faith. The pluralist says to each his own, what may be right for you is not right for me. But folks, hear me. Two conflicting stories cannot be true at the same time. Oh, that's awful narrow-minded. Well, straight as the gate narrows the way. Amen. The Apostle Paul had some really important stuff to answer about this. Look, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 6.14. It's a guiding principle for every believer when it comes to this issue of pluralism. Are you ready? Verse 14. You are not the same as those who do not believe. That's Paul. That's strong words. Paul said you are not the same as those who do not believe. So what? Do not join yourself to them. Good and bad do not belong together. Light and darkness cannot share together. Paul would have scraped that coexist sticker right off the back of his camel. Amen. Verse 15. How can Christ and Belial, the devil, have any agreement? See, I used to think these verses were just about, I can't date any pretty girls that aren't Christians. Amen. But then he said, what can a believer have together with a non-believer? Folks, respecting unbelievers is good and right, and I think we should respect others regardless of their religious beliefs. And I'm just going to say something. Some of y'all don't agree with me. I'm going to say it anyway. This ain't in the Bible. We need to also allow people to worship differently because if we don't allow other people to worship differently, what are you going to do when they come for your faith? If we don't give other people the right to worship how they want to, why do we expect people to give us the right to worship how we want to? Amen. But when we refuse to confront the lies of false religion, we legitimize those beliefs and we ultimately fail to point them in the way of truth. Here's the last worldview I want to mention before I switch gears. Amen. I'm not done. Hallelujah. That's humanism. Everybody say humanism. You are your own God. Amen. If we don't worship God, we worship something. God wired us to worship something. Amen. And if you don't worship God, you're going to end up worshiping yourself. And hear me, the self-made man usually worships his creator. Or we start worshiping something that was created. This worldview says, I'm the master of my faith. I'm the one that determines my destiny. I am in charge. Amen. I'm, gonna, I'm the one that's going to pave the way. Come on. It's a lot of self-help mumbo jumbo. It's a lot of new age stuff. Amen. You're divine. You're a God. Amen. That was the original temptation. This isn't new. This was the original temptation that Satan gave to Adam and Eve. Eat this. You're going to become like a God. Amen. See, we just want to be our own gods. But hear me. If you are God, why can't you solve your own problem? And by the way, if any of y'all are God, would you please do a better job? Because <laughs> we're in a hot mess right now, amen? Here's what the Bible says in Romans 1, 25. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And what do they do? They worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Folks, you can jump on a plane right now, fly all around the world, find people worshiping idols that they made. Stone idols, rock idols, crystals, wooden images, wooden idols. They're worshiping something that they made themselves. Or you can come back to America and you can worship our idols. Homes, bank accounts, beach bodies, status symbols, 
Come on. We got our own idols in this country, amen? I could give many other worldviews, but I think you get the idea. We are shaped by a lot of these different things and influence. So let's talk about some, first of all, I want to give you a couple of myths about what you believe. Then we'll talk to you about how to build your beliefs biblically. Two common myths about what you believe. One of them is the sincerity myth, and the other is the situational myth. Now, this point is not original with me, but I thought it was so good I wanted to share it today. You ready? Here's the sincerity myth. Here how, here's how it goes. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Uh, how many of y'all have ever heard that one? Amen? It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. There's only one problem with that, y'all. You can be sincerely wrong. <laughs> you can be sincerely wrong. I don't know about you. How many of you ever been sincerely wrong about an issue before in your life? Right? Come on, somebody. Amen. Now, don't, hopefully it wasn't the person sitting next to you. Amen. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was going to work out. Man, I was sure I was making the right decision. I knew I had all the information. I was confident. I was sincere. And it didn't work out. You know why? Because it takes more than, sense, uh, than sincerity to make it in this life. Eventually, sincerity does not work if it comes up against the truth. Because hear me, folks, truth is never going to move. Truth is always true, amen? Truth never changes. By the way, we are constantly discovering truth, by the way. We're not inventing truth. We're just discovering truth. Truth about our DNA. Truth about the universe. Truth about the human body, amen? Truth is there all along. We just didn't see it. We're discovering it. And just suppose, though, it, it, we've got to understand, we cannot just be okay with sincere beliefs. They've got to be right. Let me give you a practical example. I've had a few surgeries in my life. When I have a doctor operating on me, I want more than sincere beliefs. <laughs> Come on, I want some competency. I want there to be a few degrees on the wall, amen? I really would like to know I'm not the first guy he's ever done this on, amen? I want somebody who is acquainted with truth, not sincere beliefs. Come on now. I do not want to wake up in the recovery room and him look at me and go, Mr. Thompson, I'm really sorry something went wrong. I sincerely did not mean to do that. Amen. <laughs> no, sir, I need you to get it right. I need you to get it right. Because hear me, folks, sincere beliefs can fail you. Here's the other myth. It's called situational beliefs. The situational myth says it doesn't really matter what you believe because it all depends on your circumstances. Situational beliefs. You can believe one thing in one situation and believe something else in another. See, this causes all kinds of stress in your life because, hear me, you are being at best inconsistent and at worst you're being a fraud. Amen. What do I mean? Things like, well, when I go to work and I'm closing that deal, I'm going to have this worldview, but when I'm sitting on the other side of the table, I want somebody to be fair with me. I want this worldview. Amen. Or when I'm preparing for the exam and I've done all my work, I've got this belief, but when I'm not prepared and I'm tempted to cheat, I've got this belief. Or when my friends and I go out, we have this worldview, but when my church small group goes out, I have this worldview. Come on, that don't ever happen to none of y'all. Come on, somebody. Amen. When I'm dating, 
people that nobody sees me with, I have this worldview. When I'm in the church, I have, come on somebody, this worldview. I dealt with that conflict one time in my life. I remember when I was a brand new Christian, I mean at the age of 16, I'd only been saved for a couple of months. I was working at a restaurant, amen. And I mean, man, I'm telling you, I'd only been serving the Lord a couple of months. There was this really pretty girl there. And she asked me if I could give her a ride home after work. And we'd been flirting back and forth. Let me remind you, I've only been a Christian a couple of months. Amen. <laughs> I wasn't the great, I wasn't going to win, you know, Bible student of the year. We've been flirting back and forth. So, of course, when she asked me for a ride home, I said yes. Now, I didn't have a car of my own. I always borrowed my dad's pickup truck. So we got in the truck, and I'm driving her to her house, and she slid all the way over right next to me. Thank the Lord for bench seats. Hallelujah. Come on, can somebody say praise God for bench seats? Hallelujah. (laughs) She slid right on over next to me. And then when we pulled up in her driveway, I was waiting for her to get out of the car. And then she informed me that her parents were out of town for the weekend. Yeah, and then she asked me a question. And since this is Family Worship Sunday, I'm going to say it like this. Would you like to have a sleepover? Amen. That's the family worship version of the question she asked. (laughs) Can I just tell you, in that moment, I had to make up my mind really quickly if I had situational beliefs or if I had solid biblical beliefs. Now, can I tell you, I hadn't been a Christian very long, right? I didn't really have any personal convictions yet. But I knew from a good youth leader, and I knew from the voice of the Holy Spirit what I was supposed to do. So I spoke up, and in my loudest, strongest voice, I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> Folks, I was pitiful, amen? I ain't going to lie. It was, it was pitiful. It was pathetic, amen? I mean, I was sweating as it was, great drops of blood. I'm not going to lie. In that moment, I really did not wish I was a Christian. But I said, no, thank you. I'm a Christian. I need you to go ahead and go on home. She got out of the car. I passed the test. Amen. I still don't know how, but to God be the glory. Amen. Folks, you got to develop some solid beliefs. Because here's what I know. If you have situational beliefs, there's going to be a day that a decision slides right over on the bucket seat. And puts its arm around you and says, I'm going to find out what kind of convictions you got right now. I'm going to find out if you're a real believer or if you're not a real believer. Come on. It might happen on the job. It might happen with your checkbook. It might happen with a business decision. It might happen with your, when you're filing your taxes. It might happen with somebody in church. Come on. Do you have solid or situational beliefs? Why do my beliefs matter? Why is this such a big deal? I'm going to give you a few reasons real quick. Are you ready? Number one, your beliefs shape your life. They do. They shape your life. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 4.23, everything you do. See, folks, if you don't know what you believe and why you believe it, Your life is going to be shaped by things or views that you're not even aware of. If life is not making sense to you right now, I want to encourage you. You need to stop right now and evaluate what are my core beliefs. What are my core beliefs? If there's things in your life that you want to change, you don't change them from the outside in. You change them from the inside out. Starting with your thought life. 
You don't try to just change the external things. You got to start with your mind. Beliefs determine behavior. Changes from the inside out. Now, I don't have time to read this, but there's a really neat story in the Bible where Jesus went to this area known as Gadara. And you know the story, some of you do. And all of a sudden, this guy comes running out of town. He is naked. He is demon-possessed. Nobody can control him. And he's coming and running to the seashore. Man does not have any clothes on. When Jesus and his dudes got off the boat, guess what he did not say? Somebody go to the Salvation Army and get this guy some pants. Somebody go get this guy a robe and a ham sandwich because we got to get some stuff cleaned up on the outside. No, no, no. You know what Jesus did? He cast the devil out of him that was in him first. Now, this naked guy still needed some clothes, some food, some shelter. But you know what? Before any of the externals in his life could change, there had to be some internal changes that would reshape his life. Amen. We've got to quit thinking that people can change their behaviors if they haven't yet had a change of heart. Hear me. And that's why, folks, hear me. You cannot just pray some magical prayer or ask somebody to repeat some words and expect their life to be changed. There's got to be heart change. There's got to be repentance. There's got to be a shift and a turn toward God. Amen. There is not a magical formula. There's got to be a change in the heart. A lot of people are being misled if they just say a few words that there's no life change. There's got to be change internally. Jesus just went out and said, hey, what's your name? What's your identity? Read it, amen? In other words, start with the way a person sees themselves with what's going on. Help them change from the inside out. Here's another reason your beliefs matter. Faulty beliefs bring unnecessary problems. Proverbs 29, 18. Here there is no revelation. The people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Here's another verse that's a little clearer in the message, Proverbs 29, 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. That's the truth, isn't it? But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Notice, he said, you attend to what he reveals. When we don't have a revelation from God, but we're not doing what he's talking to us about, we stumble all over ourselves. How many times have you messed up things because of faulty beliefs or situational beliefs or wrong beliefs or wrong information? How many of you have made a bad financial decision because you did not have the right information? I'm not here to indict anybody. Man, we got some geniuses in here. Wow, hallelujah. I've made a bunch of them, amen? Come on. Faulty beliefs bring unnecessary problems. Bad business choices. Faulty beliefs bring unnecessary problems. Bad relationship decisions. Faulty beliefs bring unnecessary problems. Come on. The Bible is true, though. If you focus on truth, you'll always win. Remember, heard a story one time. Henry Kissinger, preacher, hippie. They caught a flight, a private flight. There was them three in the pilot. All of a sudden, plane's going to go down, right? Pilot announces everybody, says, hey, this plane is getting ready to crash. There's four of us. We only have three parachutes. I need to live. I'm grabbing one, and I'm gone. And boom, pilot jumps out the window. There's three men left. Henry Kessinger looks at him. He says, I am the wisest man in the world, and the world needs me. I'm taking a parachute, and I'm leaving. He grabs one. He jumps out the window. Only one left is the preacher and the hippie. Preacher looks at the hippie and goes, hey, man. He said, I'm saved. I've lived a good life. 
My life is right with God. I'm ready to go. Why don't you grab the last parachute? We're all good. Hippie goes, preacher, we're all good. The smartest man in the world just grabbed my backpack. We're going to be just fine. <laughs> Amen. If you have faulty information, you're going to have unnecessary problems in your life. Amen. There's a third reason why you need truth and right beliefs. You ready? Others need me to show them the way. Remember all those crazy worldviews I was talking about? Those people need us to show them the way. First Peter 3.15 from the Amplified. I love it, this verse in this version. Are you ready? Look at this. But in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging Him, giving Him first place in your lives as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you. And don't miss this last part. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. God expects us to not only know what we believe and why we believe it. He wants us to be able to explain it to other people. That's why our culture needs us to have a biblical worldview. Our world needs people who know what they believe, why they believe it, and that they can explain it to others. Because hear me, most of the people in our world, they don't have a clue what they believe. They've got a mashed up bunch of beliefs and worldviews that are all thrown in together. And now notice, don't, don't miss this part. Not only do we need to know what you believe, you need to know how to share what you believe. I want all you mean heads to pay attention to the last part of verse 16. How do you share truth? With gentleness and respect, amplified version. Give a kind and respectful answer, the contemporary English version. Answer in a gentle way and with respect, new century version. Keeping a good conscience, King James version. Do this in a gentle and respectful way, new living translation. Because I'm going to just tell you right now, if you're a mean arrogant, know-it-all Christian, hear me. No unbeliever and no struggling believer, and if I can just be real, no believer cares anything at all about what you got to say. Amen? Mean heads need not apply. Hallelujah. Speak with gentleness and respect. How to get a biblical worldview, I'm almost done. Here's the first thing you got to do. I'm going to just give you three things. Praise team, come on up. First, you got to learn the truth. Everybody say, learn the truth. That's the first step in building a strong biblical worldview. Learn the truth. Jesus concluded his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, with a story. They sang about it in one of their songs. A guy, there were two guys that built two houses. You know the story. One guy built his house on a shaky foundation of sand. The other guy built his house on a rock. And when the storms came and when the floods came, amen, the one guy's house that was on a sandy foundation fell apart. And folks, we are either going to build our lives on what is solid and true or you're going to build your life on whatever is the prevailing popular opinion of the day. And folks, come on, can't, aren't we smart enough to realize there's so much nonsense flying around and stuff comes and goes. Amen? A lot of this nonsense, and I'm going to talk about some of it in the next few weeks, this stuff is just a bunch of lies that we bought into. Stuff comes and goes. I just read yesterday, and I actually got a little excited about it. Guess what's come back? 
all my people that are lived, grew up in the 70s, mood rings. Yeah. You teenagers are in for a treat. Amen. I halfway kind of want to get one of those things. Amen. Mood rings. Everybody, everybody used to have a mood ring. Amen. Man, stuff comes and goes. Mood rings, mini skirts, bell-bottom pants, tie-dye shirts, hairstyles. Comes and goes. But you know what doesn't come and go? Truth. Truth. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Truth. Truth. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Proverbs 23, 23. Get the truth and never sell it. Also get wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. Here, that's what I was talking about, that scripture, remember? It said we become new in Christ. You get the truth. But along with getting a new life, you got to get wisdom, discipline, good judgment. Some of these things you learn over time, amen? Folks, we've got to develop and embrace a biblical worldview. And the third, second thing, how do you get a biblical worldview? you got to understand what's false. Understand what's false. That's why I'm going to talk about some stuff these next few weeks. 1 John 4 and 1 from the New King, New King James Version says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Come on, folks, wake up. We got to quit believing all the junk that we hear and see. Amen. Oh, I don't want to be controversial. I don't want people to be mad at me. I don't want to stand out. But don't believe that. He said, Test the spirits. Test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Look at that same verse from the message. My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Come on, at some point this becomes an IQ test. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. Look at the last thought. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Can I tell you, you need to apply this verse to what you hear me say. That doesn't threaten me at all, amen? Because if I need to be corrected, I'm not above correction. Amen. I, I, I have continuing revelation in my life all the time. God, share little nuggets of truth with me that have always existed that I've been too carnal or too blind or too uneducated to see. But we've got to understand, man, there's a lot of preachers out there. That's why you've got to be careful what you watch on the internet. I'm just going to tell you, I don't call names. That's not how I operate. Some of my favorite preachers that I used to love to read their books and listen to their sermons, they are spouting nonsense right now. Nonsense. Lies that are messing up Christians and are messing up a biblical worldview. You've got to test the spirits. And then the third way you get a biblical worldview got to turn from this world. It's not enough to talk about it. It's not enough to say what you believe. you got to turn. Scoot over, girl. Get on out of this car. Amen. you got to get on out. Go on in the house. i got to get home. Hallelujah. i got a bigger agenda. 
in this moment. God's got a plan for my life. I'm not going to mess it up. We're having a sleepover with you. Amen. Come on, God called me to a higher purpose. There's people that I need to influence. There's lives that need to be changed. I got daughters that I need to raise. I got grandbabies. Amen. You want to know what's exciting to me? Come here. Bring, bring Eliana up here real quick. Please. This is a few weeks in a row. Sam, come up here, Evan. Man, you look better than me today. You should have preached. Amen. You want to know something about legacy? I'm going to tell you something. 30 years ago, come here, Lauren, run up here. 30 years ago, Robin and I dedicated this girl to the Lord. She was wearing this dress. 30 years ago. <laughs> 30 years ago. 30 years later, here she is. Folks, we've got too much at stake to mess around with a bunch of nonsense. Life is too important to build on the shifting sand of popular opinions, of devilish lies, of catering to the flesh, of meism of materialism, of populism, of naturalism, of hedonism. I don't have time for that. You know why? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Amen. You can be seated. Your beliefs matter. So we're going to close this service today on our Family Worship Sunday. And here's what I'd like to ask. I'd like to ask every family, and if you're by yourself, you're still a family. I'd like to, I want to flood this altar. Now, we always kind of huddle up right there. I want you to walk right up to the edge of the steps. And we have, I want us to flood this altar, and I want us to come up and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe there's times I didn't do so good at this. That's all right. Today's a brand new day. We're starting today, we're going to build a belief system in our family so that years from now, decades from now, it will perpetuate itself in the lives of my children and my grandchildren and the people that they influence. Amen? So as they begin to sing, I want you to step out from where you are. And on this first Sunday of this series, I want you to say, my beliefs matter. And maybe your beliefs have been a little bit shaky. That's all right. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to encourage you. It's time to put your feet on solid rock instead of shifting sand. Amen? Go ahead, praise team. Won't you sing for us? Amen. Come on. Firm foundation. Yeah. The rock on which I stand. Yeah. 
today. I speak, Lord, that they would be bold in the face of turmoil. I pray in Jesus' name that when the winds of change come, that they would know in whom they believe. I pray in Jesus' name that the word of God would be planted deep in their hearts. Oh God, we ask, Lord, that we would treasure your word. In Jesus' name, it is the truth that is unchanging. It's what's going to keep us, your eternal laws, God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming today. God is good. His word is truth. His word will not fail and it will never pass away. Thank you, Lord. I've enjoyed this sermon so far, or this series, and I'm looking forward to the rest of this series. I hope you don't want to miss a single one of them. They're going to be good. And I'm on the edge of my seat already, and I'm thankful that I get to be married to the to the man speaking it. I always, when it's my turn to speak, I always want to preach him the sermon in advance. But he doesn't do that to me, so I'm always surprised by what comes out of his mouth. 
I was real surprised first service to hear about that young lady who slid on over the seat. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that he remained true to his, to his uh, vows. Thank you, Lord. God is good. I just want to give you a few announcements before we um, go on our way. This um, week is First Wednesday, uh, so we're going to have our First Wednesday prayer. Let's come and meet together and pray and seek the face of the Lord. Growth Track is this Saturday. If you have not done that, here's your chance. You can come this Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. Food and um, child care are provided for you. If you're a guest, please fill out the connect cards that's in the back, um, the pocket of your seat. I want to say before um, we turn to our final act of worship that I was so inspired by the worshipers this morning. They did such a great job. Thank you for leading us into worship. And I want to give a shout out to Charlotte, who has worked long and hard with the kids. She's done an awesome job. This was the fifth Sunday, Family Worship Sunday. We're going to shift and Family Worship Sundays are gonna look different in the new year. And good things are coming for your students and your families. And it's gonna be awesome. You're gonna to wanna to be involved. Um, just have your ears out for more information on that that's coming up. But there are three ways to give and this is our final act of worship. You can give at our giving centers. You can give online and there you can text to give the number that's on the screen. Thank you so much for being here at church. It's good to worship together, to come see my brothers and sisters and learn more about the, the word that is forever settled in heaven. And that's where I need to keep my feet planted. I don't know about you, but I can believe something if my emotions connect to it. And the enemy knows that and he can lie to me. That's why I got to keep coming to church, keep hearing the word of God. That's why I got to stay in the word on my own when I'm in my home day by day. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.